Hey folks, this is your host, Paul Winkler. Thank you for listening to the show today. Before we get into the content, I want to tell you about a new workshop I'm hosting called Politics and Portfolios, How to Invest During Election Season. You can register for it at paulwinkler.com politics. A lot of people are worried about the market this year, and I want to help you know what to do. We're going to look at historical data and academic research to explain how markets behave in election years, and we'll use easy-to-read charts and graphs. I'll be live on Friday, February 23rd at 12 o'clock. But if you can't make it live, register anyway, and we'll send you a replay link. So go check it out at paulwinkler.com politics. Now, here's your show. Welcome to the Investor Coaching Show, a podcast to help you get an insider's view of the financial world and escape common investment traps. We look at the financial news of the day and help you make sense of it so you can relax about money. And here's your host, Paul Winkler. All right. Welcome back. This is the Investor Coaching Show. Paul Winkler. Joined this hour with Jacob Legesse from Treveca, Director of New Student Financial Aid. So we're talking about, you know, trying to prepare that child for school. What are the things you need to know? A big thing that you need to know about. And this is the questions that you're going to typically get on you know on the FAFSA you're going to be talking about what assets you have and yeah. how much of that stuff is counted toward the aid and yeah yep. uh, what what are the things that they count what don't they count yeah let's start with with what counts and it's so important to to answer this accurately right mm-hmm. um with the new FAFSA they've changed it to where they're linking your taxes for you they're filling out a lot of it but one of those questions they don't fill out for you is what are your assets and so you want to make sure this is submitted correctly mm-hmm. um some of the new ones is your annual child support received so if you have a family maybe divorced out there right yeah sure and getting child support that is considered an asset now so we do need to add that in there. Um, And then a little bit more of the common ones would be um, equity in your investment real estate. Mm -hmm. So not to be mistaken with the home you live in, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But just investment in your real estate properties, if you have them. Cash savings, banks accounts. Yeah, so that's not not something that people necessarily think about, you know, because we we talked about the home a little bit earlier, Mm -hmm. but you might have a home and you have investment real estate as well, and they're going to be counting the equity. So what's the value of the asset minus the liability? Correct. On it, Correct. The, the loan on it. Okay, so that's that's a good thing to. You, to you bring might want to tell people you got a four hundred fifty thousand dollars asset, but if you owe two hundred fifty thousand on it, you want to make sure you're putting that down right on the FAFSA. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good point. Okay. Um, cash savings, right? Bank accounts, uh-huh. that stuff. Your UGMA and UPMA accounts. Uniform transfers to minors. Uniform gift to minors accounts. Yep. So a child gets an asset, let's say, and uh, maybe somebody's given them some money. Mm-hmm. Uh, parents, grandparents, uh, you know, friends. Uh, they and they give it to the child, and you have we called it a poor man's poor man's trust is what we always yeah. used to call it. <laughs> uh, but basically, the idea is that the money is in the child's name and becomes their asset yep. when they reach the age of majority. So that's why it would be considered an asset. Okay. Um, Stocks and bonds, right? You got Mm -hmm. your stocks and bonds, mutual funds. So these would be called, folks, non-qualified assets. So if the stocks and bonds are in your own name or mutual funds uh, are in your ETFs, those types of things are in your own name and they're taxable. You're getting, you know, dividends on them or you're paying taxes on those. So we're not talking about retirement assets. And we'll we'll get to that in a second. Yeah. Um, Value of your 529 plans and your ESAs, right? 
Those are considered mm-hmm. an asset as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, one, so 529 is mm-hmm. a state plan for education. An ESA covered L, uh, education yeah. savings accounts, very low amount of money. So they're not as much in favor. We don't see them as much anymore, Correct. but that is something that's counted as well. Yep. And we did talk a little bit off, off air about how if you got a student who's not in college, but you have one for them, you don't have to count that as an asset. You're only counting that ESA for the student that's going to be in school. Yeah, it was so. interesting you said that because you were talking about that they used to add up, mm-hmm. even if it were, if if you had other children that yeah. had those accounts, they were all aggregated and looked mm-hmm. at, and now they only look at it if the beneficiary is that child. Yep. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's a so really that's a interesting twist. a little twist. helpful, right? That's an interesting twist. Yeah, yeah sure is. Um, let's talk about things we don't want to include, right? So assets yeah. that you think you might have, but aren't counted. So the big one's the 401k, right? Um, your Roth or traditional IRA accounts, you do not include that as an asset, according to the FAFSA, right? Because basically, here's what the government's doing, which is, you know, in this case, I'm not going to pick on them because they're looking at this and going, hey, you know what that thing about putting the mask on yourself, uh, you know, before you put the mask on your on the other passenger, you know, to take care of them, <laughs> it's it applies here. We want to make sure that you're taking care of yourself and saving for retirement because that's a mis- big. Uh, just I'm going to get on a soapbox just a quick second. Yeah, here. go for it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Jacob, what happens a lot of times is I find that people will save, 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 save for the kids' college education, and they don't save for themselves. And not recognizing that the vast majority of money you will have in retirement is not money you put there, but the growth on the money. Yep. And the more time you have, you know, the more the growth is. And a lot of people wait until their 50s to start saving for retirement. And then they end up, you know, because they're putting money away for everything else under the sun. So, you know, so this is another good reason to make sure that you are saving for retirement is yes. that it's not a counted asset in this. So I just want to yeah. get on that soapbox just a yeah. little bit because I think it's important. Definitely. A couple other things yeah, go ahead. is uh, life insurance, right? Cash values of a whole life policy, right? Yeah. That's not considered an asset. Well, it was so funny because we used to sell life insurance back in, in our days when I, because I'm not a big fan of, of permanent life insurance policies anymore, but we used to sell that based on the idea it wasn't an asset, and, yeah. and, and you know, so it's it's not there, and that's that's why. Yep. Uh, but um, yeah, not, yeah, not not recommending. We're not. <laughs> I'd rather you put yeah. more money in your 401k. But anyway, that's right. Uh, besides more. <laughs> and uh, then I guess the only one I could think of too would be annuities, right? That's not considered an right, asset. Right. So. Um, it's pretty much your retirement stuff, right? Yeah, we're it's not. considered retirement. So, mm-hmm. you know, that would be another thing. So mm-hmm. let's look at those assets that are counted. Yeah. So and what percentage of yeah. the, I guess you, you would say the contribution, the expected contribution from the parents mm-hmm. is, I guess, what they call it? Yeah, that's a good good acronym, right? We used to call it the EFC, Expected Family Contribution. Mm-hmm. Um, the new 24-25-year FAFSA is changing it to the SAI. And that is called the Student Aid Index. So okay. the Student Aid Index is replacing the EFC, the expected And they changed that when? Just this is the first year. The FAP, the people who are filling out FAFSAs now is what they'll see. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So there is a percentage. Now those assets mm-hmm. that we talked about, or that you mentioned, you you're talking about equity and real estate, and and uh, you're talking about cash and in savings banks bank accounts mm-hmm. and upmas and ugmas and and uh, you were talking about um, uh, mutual funds and those types of things. Yeah. Those assets, that list of assets, mm-hmm. it's a certain percentage that yeah. is actually considered. And, and yeah. so what the, is that? So with the SAI is assuming 
parents should use up to 5.64% mm-hmm. of all their unprotected assets. Okay. And that's what they call it is unprotected, unprotected assets. Because yep. uh, as we call it as non-qualified assets, they're calling it yes. unprotected yep. assets. Okay. And, and that is supposed to help their child pay for college, right? Now on the flip, on the student side of things, the government's looking at a higher percentage from the student standpoint. That's closer to up to 20%, they're saying. I thought it was interesting that it that uh, cash gifts yeah. are considered- Kind of different there. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was surprised when I when I saw that. Um, so the unfortunate piece for yeah. the student is a cash gift is now considered an asset. It's considered an income, right? A student income. An income. So, yeah, yeah. yeah that, that, yep. that is an interesting twist in the yeah. way they do that. So- yeah, and, and then uh, and okay. Now we talked a little bit about those assets. Now, what if the, the asset is the student's asset? Yeah. So on the flip, right? If it's the student's asset, the government's looking at about twenty percent, mm-hmm. not five point six four. Their expected contribution is twenty percent of the student's assets. Okay. So that, that's a good that's a good overview, folks. For you yeah. know those types of things and then thinking about that. Now let's jump into the questions that you might want to ask when you're sitting down with universities. And, and of course, you know, I'm here with Jacob Lejess. He's from Treveca. Uh, I, you know, it's just, I, I happen to have, you know, a soft spot in my heart for Treveca right. having two kids that I went there and myself getting a master's yeah. over there. Uh, so I'm, uh, but, um, you know, you're director of new student financial aid. So you're getting lots of questions from parents regarding, Mm-hmm. All kinds of things, I'm sure, when they're sitting yeah. down. So what are, what are the types of things that um, yeah. that may come up? I think some good advice I could give to families is, is I have families ask me, what questions should I ask the other universities I'm looking at? What, mm-hmm. what do I need to be asking these schools when I sit down with them? And some great questions that are very common would be, one, my scholarships that the student was given, uh-huh. are those a four-year award? Are those only good for two years or oh, one year? Yeah. Right. We have that hook and bait thing that we see students hap- happen to students a lot, right? Sure. They they jump into something and think it's going to be for the long haul, but it's yep. just a short haul thing. Yeah. Okay. I see schools they'll give twenty thousand in scholarship to to an incoming freshman, and mm-hmm. half of that falls off sophomore year, right? So interesting. That's a really good question. Want to make sure that that scholarship he's offered or she's offered is uh-huh. a four year award that it's guaranteed to renew every year the students there. Right. Okay. So that's a good question to ask. And I, I would assume some of these scholarships, if you don't keep up your GPA, yeah, you could have some problems. That's a good question to ask. Academic scholarships. Do I have to maintain a certain GPA, a grade point average while I'm in college? Uh, is, am I at risk of losing any money mm-hmm. when I get here? So mm-hmm. those are great questions from a scholarship um, perspective. The We talked about outside scholarships earlier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can I stack my outside scholarships I get? with the scholarships I'm getting from your university. Oh, is there a possibility that some of the stuff that the university's promising would go away if you get outside is. stuff? Is there, there is. really? Yes, I have seen it happen before. Um, uh, Treveca will stack whatever you can earn, right? We're gonna, we're gonna stack your outside money, your Pell Grant, your institutional aid. But there are some colleges that you might come in with four or 5,000 in outside private uh-huh. scholarships uh-huh. that that student worked for, right? Yeah. And it will diminish their scholarship package from the other schools. Fascinating. That's a yeah. really good question. Yep. So You're that's a good roll. one to ask. You're on a roll. Um, Keep going. <laughs> do you what offer else? on-campus jobs? That's a good one. A lot of families want their students working while they're in school, right? You know, that's so funny you say that because I re- <laughs> I'm going to tell you a funny personal story. Yeah, let's hear it. Uh, so so uh, I, when I was 
oh man, probably 10 years out of school. Mm -hmm. I had gone to school at one place for one year and then I tra transferred to another university up up north and, and I actually had a uh, an economics degree. My first year of school was nightmarish for me. Very, very difficult. And, you know, I look back on that now and you know what the nightmares I had was that I had no way to make any money while I was on campus. So my yeah. quality of life was absolutely horrible. Mm -hmm. And I just remember how difficult that was. Yes. So that's a really good question. Yeah. And we have studies that show that our students who are working mm -hmm. as a part of their education tend to do better from a, a grade average, from a GPA standpoint. And I would think that they do better just because when you get out of school, you have some experience that you can yeah. actually talk about yep. when you go to potential employers. Yep. And in college, you can't compare high school to college, right? I remember being in high school thinking, oh, I got this college. Thing. And you get to college and you go, what do I do with all this free time? <laughs> you know, you go to class and you're done at 12. Yeah. And you're used to an 8 to 3, 8 to 3.30 schedule, no, right? No, you, you, you study, you yep. study, and you, you study. And go, <laughs> you got to create a structure for yourself, right? So sure. working, studying. And we found that students who work 10 to 15 hours a week have uh -huh. better grades than a student who doesn't work. So That's yeah. really interesting. Now, if they work over 20, we start to see that those grades diminished a little bit. So there's a good happy medium there for students in college with working. Let's do this. Yeah. Let's let's take a quick break uh, yeah. and then we'll come back right after this. Thanks for tuning in to the Investor Coaching Podcast. Now, you may be one of these people that's listening and realizing, wow, investing, there's a lot more to it than meets the eye and financial planning tax laws constantly changing and recognizing that maybe you might need some help in this area but you don't want just anybody to help you out. So we have 10 offices in the Middle Tennessee area and everything we do is fee only. We align our interests with your interests. So you can get an initial 15 minute phone call with any one of our offices just by going to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. That's it. Every one of the offices is run by somebody with 20 plus years experience. They're all degree planners. They all have academic backgrounds in investing and you can get the help that you need. So if you want to set up a complimentary phone consultation, just go to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. And we look forward to seeing you soon. All right, we are back here on the Investor Coaching Show. Paul Winkler. Along with Jacob Leges from Treveca, he is the director of New Student Financial Aid. So we're just talking about that topic of getting your kid into school, getting it paid for, and if you happen to be the kid, these are things you need to be focusing on. Yeah. If you happen to be the parents, these are the things you need to be focusing on. So let's talk a little bit about cost of attendance, those types of yeah. things, Jacob. Cost of attendance, that's a thats a big word we use a lot, big phrase we use a lot. And uh, some parents might see it called the COA, an acronym, right? Mm -hmm. we, we love acronyms. Mm -hmm. COA is your cost of attendance. What I try to remind families is that does not mean when you get your cost of attendance, that's what you're paying to go to college, Right. The cost of attendance is a sticker price, essentially, for a university. Okay. Um, and I have a lot of families that just look at the sticker price and they go, there's no way we can afford it. 
Right. right. And right, right. right. It's, it's, it's yeah. like the old days when you didn't actually pay the full price for yeah. a car. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, so, right. You know, you, so, that's what it used to be, right? Yeah. I mean, so I tell families, don't just look at that cost of attendance. We're required by the government to give uh-huh. a total cost based on direct and indirect cost, right? Okay. So your tuition, fees, room and meal if you're on campus, books, supplies, right? And so the, we right. start with the cost of attendance. That's the starting point. But after that, you That's interesting it, because yeah. then you know, there's software programs out there you can do some planning for for mm-hmm. college i almost said retirement yeah <laughs> uh, planning for college and it may actually scare you when you look at that but that yeah. may not be necessarily what it, you end up paying when it gets down correct. to it i've sit i sit with so many families every year that we start at that big number mm-hmm. and we start added in the scholarships they've earned and the federal aid they have and the state aid and they get down to the bottom of what their actual out-of-pocket cost is and they go wow we could actually do this, you know? Oh yeah, and that's so exciting. I encourage our families to sit down with these universities and figure out what the total out-of-pocket cost is, mm-hmm. not not what your cost of attendance is. Mm-hmm. That's a good starting point, mm-hmm. but figure out what everything is when it's all said and done after everything's been awarded. So, so one of the big questions to ask. Then you, uh, you talk a little bit about payment plans and things yeah. that you can do if you do have some expenses and you don't have mm-hmm. to necessarily come out of pocket with all of that stuff. And so yeah. how does that work? I mean, does the university finance or how does that actually yeah. go? Every, that, co- every that go? college is a little bit different, right? So this uh-huh. is a great one to ask. What, what payment plan do you offer as a university, uh-huh. right? Um, for example, Treveca, we, we do a 0% interest payment plan for our families. And so you can do a four, five, or six-month plan every semester. So if you got a $6,000 balance, that might look kind of scary in the front end, but mm-hmm. you don't have to pay that all at once. We can break that into $1,000 a month while your kid's in school. Okay. It makes it feel a little bit more tangible, right? It's There's a light at the end of the tunnel. Right, right. Because you you look at that big number and when you break it down into, it's like, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? Yes, (laughs) exactly. And and truthfully, a payment plan, and my goal for families is that we can minimize the debt that Mm -hmm. a student leaves with, right? Mm -hmm. And so a lot of families, that payment plan can help them from not having to take as many loans and that's super helpful when that student graduates four years down the road. So, so okay. So, how about you know? Typically, when we look at tuition, you know, in the first year, it's a different deal than what it is in the second, third, yeah. and fourth years. Yeah, so, kind of what happens a, with tuition increases regarding you know what, yeah. what's the what's typical these days? Because yeah. It had been for quite a while that tuition increases were much above the rate of inflation. Mm-hmm. In other parts of the economy, yeah. it's kind of like it, it's changing a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I tell families ask every university because every university mm-hmm. it's not just a set tuition increase. Every university can choose their own increase. Mm-hmm. Um, the average right now nationally is about five to seven percent. Okay, is what we're seeing. Is that the last couple of years, mm-hmm. or is that because yeah. because the last couple of years we've had higher inflation than in previous years? Yeah. Has yep. that gone up significantly? I would, I would say that since twenty. My stats would be from since 2022, mm-hmm. working in the 23 school year. I don't have last year's, this most current okay. 23 year stats left. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's like the five year average. But that's, but that's an increase. Mm-hmm. Is that, is that recent increase versus years um, prior? I'm just curious. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. So, um, Trevecca, you know, what we saw, including Trevecca, what we saw a lot of schools do, um, and the reason I, I think that it's a five to 7% over the last five years. Mm-hmm is it's lower right now because of COVID. A lot of schools froze tuition for a year or two during COVID. Well, now they're making up for it on the back end is what I'm saying. Yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense. um, But I would anticipate that. That's a great question for families to ask is what do we anticipate? Um, Because those costs are going to go up. 
Well, sure. Yeah. Across the board. Yeah. And, and you, you know, you're getting squeezed and in some ways, university, in some ways, universities are getting a little bit more efficient with, with some of the things that they can do. You know, yeah. I know that, uh, that Treveca, that we, you know, actually had a lot of video, you know, at, mm. at home type of stuff. Yes. And, yeah. and that's becoming more of a thing where you can yeah. actually work from home and different yeah. types of things and you don't even have to. Yeah. Communicating, commuting yep. to to to, uh, to campus. What about debt and and, and all of that? that that's yeah. a big topic. That's a huge topic. You know, some families come in and they want to know how much debt are we going to leave with, right? Mm -hmm. And step one is create a budget. Whether your kid's in a, a junior in high school or a senior in high school or before that, figure out what your budget mm -hmm. as a family is mm -hmm. with mom and dad contributing, student contributing, what that looks like. And so, is that if, something you help them out with? Mm -hmm. And how did you have like forms that you help give them yeah. and say, hey, you know, this will be something you can walk you walk yep. through this with? Yep. I, I like to use the payment plan option as well. I'll go, hey, you know, family might come to me and say, we've saved 20000 for college, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. I'd say, well, then, you know, we could take five grand a year. We could use all 20 at once, whatever you prefer, right? Mm -hmm. We can talk through options with that. Um, and then we figure out what their monthly budget is, right? What could they afford as a payment plan option, right? Mm -hmm. And then let's figure out what the final balance is to see how much debt they really need to take on. Or are there other avenues like outside scholarships mm -hmm. that we can go to so we can minimize that debt, sure. right? My goal for a student and, and this is not every college. This is not how every college works, and we know that. But my goal for a student is that they can come to college, go to a university with, if they need debt, mm -hmm. to only take their federal student loans. Mm -hmm. I really don't want to make a student go to a private lender. Privately, yeah, sure. Like your Sally Mays, your banks, right? That's when you're seeing a... 12 to 14 percent. Oh, that's a that's interest rate. Seriously, you know, wow, it's insane. And yeah, at 12 percent, just for the math uh, for the folks out there that, <laughs> that don't love percentages, your debt doubles every six years at 12 percent. <laughs> just to give you an idea, yep. that's huge. Yeah, so if we can avoid those, um, that's when the conversations get a little difficult because we're going to do whatever we can to avoid the student doing that. And so, for, from a federal standpoint, mm -hmm. so some education for parents. If your student's going to be a freshman next year, no matter how much mom or dad make, mm -hmm. they're going to be offered $5,500 in a federal student loan. Mm -hmm. That's it. $5,500. Okay. So that gives us a really clear picture for freshmen. Hey, we have $5,500 debt we can use, a loan we can use. Uh -huh. We have the scholarships we can use. We have mom and dad funds we can use. Uh -huh. And we have working we can use, right? And so I tell students, if we can get by with no debt, that's the goal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But- this federal loan, this sub and unsubsidized loan is a tool, you know, for some of these students to make college a reality where they're not leaving with tens and thousands of dollars in debt. You know? So, yeah. Well, Jacob, man, this hour has flown. So, yeah, for those of you thinking about putting your, ki your kids through school, how to do it, I guess, A, start early, you know, yeah. as early as you possibly can. Sometimes you're going to wait a little bit longer. Uh, we talked a little bit about the four pockets of money on here, Pell Grants, and, and we talked about student aid and, and Tennessee Hope Scholarships and Tennessee Promise and the differences between them, uh, where to find outside scholarships. I think it's important to really look at all of these different things. Jacob Lages, thank you so much from Trebeka. He is the director of student financial aid over there, and it's been a blast. Thank you, Paul. Yeah, Appreciate man. this. Time has today. been great. Okay. Hey, this is Paul Winkler. Hope you enjoyed today's edition of the Investor Coaching Show. If you want to learn more about what we do, go to our website, paulwinkler.com. 
You can watch some of the videos there, and if you're not already a client, you can set up a free initial consultation. Until next time, I'm Paul Winkler, reminding you that I believe that more educated investors are more competent investors, and confident investors are more successful investors. Have a great one. Advisory services offered through Paul Winkler, Inc., an SEC-registered investment advisor. The opinions voiced and information provided in this material are for general informational purposes only and not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what investments are appropriate for you, please consult with a financial advisor. Paul Winkler, Inc. does not provide tax or legal advice. Please consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your particular situation.